Educated Ed Source, your home for what do you think you're looking at? My name's Nathan, your mess with the bull, get the horns host. My name is Andy, your Scott Farkas host. And I'm Pat, your they're all gonna laugh at you, they're all gonna laugh at you host. <laughs> Excellent. How is everybody uh, doing? Movie references. Good. <laughs> well, since I've started doing, like, since we've started doing really, like, way more sound drops than we did before, yeah. it is, like, both, like, delightful to listen to the episodes <laughs> now, and also, yeah. like, such a pain in the ass to, like, figure out, like, wait, where am I going to pull that from? What, are, like, what reference <laughs> do I want to make? Like, no! They're all going to laugh at you! Anyway, yeah. how's everybody doing? Anything uh, going on this week? Pat, did you hang out with your mom? That tends to be what you what you talk not, about. Not this week, no. Um, uh, last week we tried to make the Asian Lantern Festival, but right. um, we we didn't uh, <laughs> because it's only open Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we had tried to go on like a Wednesday or something, and like didn't check if it was open. But um, she's doing good. Not that much else going on except updates on the uh, the egg walking thing. Oh, I, in Minecraft, I finished all of the uh, curing of villagers. So. Very, yeah. <laughs> no. In, yeah. Andy, what what are you up to? Working, getting ready to get married. Dog sitting alive. It's busy time in the life of Andy. I'm not good at, like, saying no, I guess, um, in a broad sense. So, like, I had, you know, I've been running a campaign in our D&D group, and I've been yeah doing a lot of, been trying to help out a lot more with the editing of episodes, as well as all the research I'm normally doing and prep for episodes, although thankfully we've been doing some less prep-heavy ones recently. Um, and, you know, plus the wedding, plus I'm dog-sitting and helping take care of, like, helping with other, like, drop-ins and check-ins for other animals, too. So I'm all over the place. Plus, I have to commute home to work. Like, I work at home, but I'm not living at home. So it's weird. Um, Hmm. so I'm, like, reverse commuting. Which also means that I don't have a lot of time to keep up with, like, house cleaning and stuff like that. So, it all just starts to get, like, it starts to get really, it piles on, you know? But, um, yep. that's it. I mean, it's not, nothing, none of that is actually, like, particularly interesting except for getting married. Um, but, Woo. but the rest of that is all very, like, boring stuff that just is, there's just a lot of it and not enough time in the day. Because I'm wasting a lot of time going back and forth to dogs between these animal houses, which I, you know, I like getting to hang out with animals for sure. So that's a plus. Have you met any real just like whole dogs yet? In terms of like dogs that are kind of annoying in some way or another, mm-hmm. I guess it's not an whole thing though. But like, um, no, the, uh, it all. depends. I guess T- towards other dogs, yeah. Quite a few dogs sure. have yeah. issues with other dogs. Towards other people, not really, no. Um, there are dogs that are less trusting of men because there are a lot of dogs out there that have been abused by men because men are trash. 
You're always gonna be trash. Uh, yeah, I mean, not really. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere with that thought. Just uh, it's really <laughs> tragic. So like, there's there's that problem. That that becomes an issue sometimes, but usually not. And even in those cases, like we're careful. We we take the time to to meet the dog with the owner there, so that you know they can see that it's okay. And anyway, no, that's great. Yeah, it's, I I've cool. I've had some. I've had some run-ins with some asshole dogs, but I'm also literally a postman. Yeah, right. So. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> First of all, I do want to uh, agree with Pat in that. Woo! For your wedding, uh, we're all very excited. Now, I just told you that I've RSVP'd. Is that enough? Do I need to actually go on the website? Yeah, I already went on and RSVP'd you and Sarah, and I believe That's... Caitlin already added Charlie. So. Excellent. Which we're Great. really excited. That, I heard you say no fewer than three times, like, we're going to have a balloon yeah. guy. Well, I don't know what... You're very excited about the balloon I, guy. I am. Because that's the sort of thing that, like, it allows... And not just... This isn't... I know Charlie's not a kid. Um, and I don't really no, know he what loves, his interests are. Uh, so I didn't know if that was something he, he would be interested in or not. One of his... Yeah, I think one of his interests is balloons. Well, I mean, I mean most so, people like balloons. Yeah. So... Yeah, um, absolutely. But in terms of, like... In general, people, uh, what we we really wanted to create like a a we wanted to go a Family. little bit out of our way to make sure that people like could bring kids and you know they knew that because we would we're especially coming out of the pandemic and everything and everybody's going to be vaccinated but as far as I know it we haven't been able to see anybody so it'll be nice to see like all the quote unquote nieces and nephews and that's great that's, that was the idea. I'm- I totally appreciate that. You know, some people are like, it's a thing now that people are saying like, no kids at the wedding. Like, mm-hmm. there there are people who are like pushing oh, yeah. that culturally, um, which I find really interesting. Which like that seems like a terrible move. Like, w- if you have no. kids, wouldn't you just <laughs> say like, well, all right, no mm-hmm. thanks then. I like, mean, right? Or like, if your goal is to make sure your guests leave early or whatever. Mm-hmm. Good job. Well, there's a there's a lot of reasons why people do that. It's I mean it's no it's not to have them leave early. It's to have them stay late. Well, um, some of them stay later because you know the assumption is like you just get a, a babysitter or or have them go sleep over a friend's house and you just get to like embrace lean into being an adult for a little while in fact my, my uh one of my best friends from college uh he and his wife are coming and they decided to leave their entourage of i think four or five kids at home which i'm a little bit bummed yeah but that's why they 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 just they just felt like you know what we'd like to just do this as adults not as a family with kids and yeah so, you know, and that's totally fine. I, I'm a little bit bummed because I haven't seen his kids in years. But, in fact, I, several of them have been born since the last time I've seen him. So, there's that. But So, anyway, you awesome. you were just saying yay wedding and then you asked about RSVP, but you didn't actually say about your <laughs> uh No, uh, I had the most sort of anticlimactic. So, I've, I like, let's go ahead along the wedding train. And uh, I went to go get fitted for the suit that I'll wear to my stepson's wedding in September. And I went and they didn't have an example of the actual suit that Hmm. we're going to be wearing. So I didn't actually get to see it. They had me try on some different stuff. And the guy who was helping me out was nice, but he was young and he wasn't paying uh, very much attention. So like he kept on handing me clothes that wouldn't 
fit me, like that weren't even close. Like he would measure me and then go get a piece of clothing and hand it to me, and that piece of clothing would be like ten sizes too small. And so, like, if your goal is to make me feel bad about myself, like, good job. <laughs> like, Dang. I think in his head he was like, here you go, fatty. And like, oh, come stop it. That's not I don't nice. I think so. No, so I didn't get to see the suit. And then he measures everything, and it's it's fine. And again, I, I don't have anything against the guy. He was very nice and everything like that, which I think is probably the most important part of that job. Um, mm. Although, you know, getting the sizes right, <laughs> probably pretty important, too. It's got to be pretty high on the list, yeah. Um, but we get to the end, and uh, he, like, he goes over to enter my stuff in the computer, and this computer isn't working for whatever reason, so he goes over to a different computer at the front of the store, and then... He has to call his boss over, and I'm sitting, like, I'm standing there waiting for, like, five minutes, ten minutes, like, and then 15 minutes go go by, and, like, <laughs> they finally level with me, like, well, we can't find a suit jacket with your measurements, <laughs> like, and so they start calling around to different stores. They call, like, huh. three or four different stores. I'm in there, like, 30 minutes, 45 minutes waiting for, like, not even a suit, just for them to tell me, like, you're good to go, and they eventually said... We don't want to make you wait around anymore. <laughs> so they took down my phone number and my name, and they're going to keep on calling around and uh, figure out what's going on. So I went in for, like, what I thought was going to be really cool. Like, I wanted to see myself in the suit and maybe, like, take a picture and send it to my stepson. And uh, nothing. Like, <laughs> like, I didn't get to see the suit. I didn't really even get to, like, I didn't get to try on the suit. Uh, I didn't even get the right size clothing. <laughs> and then I waited around for 45 minutes for them to tell me nothing. Yikes. So, yeah, wow. It wasn't, and again, the the people were, were perfectly lovely. I don't have a problem with the people who are working there. It's just like, <laughs> kind of stunk. Um, but speaking of things that stink, <laughs> bullies. <laughs> Do you feel like your sales associate bullied you? <laughs> well, if he was thinking, take that fatty, then yes. Uh, <laughs> I doubt he but, was thinking that, but I'm also not. No, a I don't reader. think. Right, exactly. I don't think there's anything uh, that leads me to believe that he actually no, thought that. It but. didn't sound that way. But today we're talking about bullying. Yeah. So yeah, last. So today we're going to talk I, about I, bullies. Yeah. <laughs> today we're going to talk about bullies. You guys said it, so I just wanted to get in there too. You had said it first. So last, I like to pull back the curtain sometimes and like let people know how we record and stuff like that. So the last episode that we recorded last week, which is definitely not in any sense uh, necessarily when it's going to come out. But last week we talked about truth and Andy had thrown out last week like, well, we could talk about truth or love or bullying. And I was like, bullying! Let's talk about bullying. I really want to talk about bullying. And then both of you are like, mm, <laughs> not bullying. <laughs> like, all right, let's talk about well, we're here now. truth. So I'm excited to be here. Definitely something that I wanted to talk about. It really just came down to an issue of, it's a little bit of a bummer topic. And I just wasn't yeah, in the is. mood for that last week. I just was like already <laughs> kind of bummed out. And I wanted to do something a little bit, like, nicer, I guess. Well, we'll have to do an episode on candy sometime. Can right? we go ahead and get my bad take out of the way? Ooh. Bad take. Um, Please. Just to, like, I, just to like get <laughs> it out there. Yeah. I've been I've been getting so much use out of that hot take uh, sound drop lately. Well, this is, this is the hottest of takes. 
So, um, we've seen in the last, like, really in the last 20 years, there's been this exponential rise of gun violence at schools, um, school shootings. It's just been, like, this terrible epidemic. Um, Mm -hmm. They existed before Columbine, but Columbine was really a turning point in, like, the media coverage. Right, and it seemed like that was what sort of gave people, not not permission, but, like, sort of showed people, like, hey, if you're already suicidal and you don't give a shit about anybody, here's an option. (laughs) Get your name in the paper. It was definitely a catalyst. But at the same time, like, we've seen a turning point in the attitude and the culture about school bullying and we've seen this catastrophic rise of gun violence at schools and you know how you say like uh, correlation is not causation anybody know post hoc ergo propter hoc josh uh, uh post after after hoc ergo therefore after hoc therefore something else hoc. i don't know what sure what to interpret of the relationship that's there it could be that the gun violence at schools is causing a revolution in how we treat school bullying or it could be that both things are affected by a variable that we're not looking at but if you plot those two things together you would almost get the impression that school bullying might have been like our our change in culture and our change in attitude towards school bullying might be like related in some way to this rise of school gun violence. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that we <laughs> honestly, like honestly, I'm waiting for the hot take because I like totally agree with you so far. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I don't want to say this, but like I'll say it. Um, like the way that we treat bullying now, we didn't have school shootings before we were so kitty gloves and are, like so sensitive about bullying in schools that we should allow people <laughs> to bully more in schools in order to reduce school shootings for for the sake of my hot take yes wow i i do want there to retract my that agreement is the hot I, take. I, the, the, the hottest of take. Oh, all right, so so all right, so all right, all right, all right. So we don't want to we don't want to just like bully you out of your hot take. No, here. go for it. Go <laughs> for it. Just to be clear to the people at home, I no longer agree with Pat. I want to make sure that I get that crystal clear out there on the recording. And I never did, for the record. Um, no, I mean, I so I I do agree that there has been a change in the last 30 years in how we um, react to bullying in schools and there also has been a change in the last 30 years in school shootings i think those two statements are pretty fine i'm with you anyway i mean they may be wrong i don't I guess. But, but I speculating on the relationship that one is know. causal to the other, like well, I, it might be more likely that it's causal the other way. So that because of school shootings, now we treat bullying more seriously. That's I mean, probably the more likely relationship. But I think you're you're right to like consider all of the direction, the possible directions of the relationship. I think it's maybe. I mean, so I don't think it's necessarily wild to think that perhaps. People who would settle for being a mere bully 
are then sort of escalated to school shooter level, but I don't think that most of the school shooters are students. Don't know. We yeah, could, we could get a fact check on that. I think I think that there are cases where like an adult goes into a school, like certainly like Sandy Hook mm-hmm. would be an example, or um, like the Texas A and M tower shooting, the one in Florida, I believe that 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 was not too recent that was a big deal. Uh, but I would I have to of... look at the numbers. I think statistically that it's usually a student at the school. So, but I would say, I mean, if it's even less than three, maybe two thirds of the time, a student at the school, if it's even as little as like a half of the time, a student, I think that any like causal relationship has to be questioned. I think Hmm. simply, but I don't know. I'm not sure. We can find out some information in a fact check. Fact check, fact check, fact check. And welcome back to fact check. According to a study conducted by the U.S. Governmental Accountability Office in 2020, from 2009 to 2019, about half of school shootings were committed by current or former students. Suburban schools have more specific school-targeted shootings, were the most fatal, and were most commonly committed by students. Urban schools had more shootings overall and were mostly motivated by disputes. These shootings are more likely to be committed by non-students or unknown shooters. The majority of school shootings, about 31%, were related to a dispute or grievance. Interestingly, the second biggest group of school shootings, at 16%, were accidental discharges of weapons brought into schools, followed closely by specific school-targeted shootings at 14%. I've included the GAO study in the doobly-doo, so if you're interested in additional information, which there's plenty of, go check it out. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. So, here's what I think. Adjacent to what Pat said, uh, but certainly coming at it from a different direction, I think we could eliminate a lot, of, like a crazy amount of school shootings if we intentionally made schools more of an accepting community. Oh. Hmm. Meaning that... No, no, no. Meaning that... Yeah. Yeah. Meaning that... The expectation is that students are going to support each other, that when kids go after, when kids bully, that's not acceptable and that has consequences. I think if the the problem is a lot of these kids, the people. So there's there's two there's bullying. Right. Mm -hmm. And generally school shootings are not caused by bullies. They're caused by the bullied. Okay. Generally, it's not the bullies who are going out and getting guns and coming back and shooting everybody up. It's the kids who have been bullied throughout their school career. I think that's that's maybe a mixed bag, but all for the sake of argument, let's go with that. Right. Like and the Columbine, I, the Columbine kids were outcasts, but uh, like I would say that it was equally true that they were both bullies and bullied. <laughs> certainly uh it crosses the line during the shooting right that's uh that's pretty easy to say but if these people felt like they had an alternative felt like they had friends felt like they were accepted felt like school wasn't torture then maybe that changes their decision hmm. and not always the the thing about this stuff is there's never going to be well no pun intended a silver bullet uh, that's going to fix everything. 
but we can make changes that will help these kids feel more more accepted and then accepted teenagers turn into potentially more accepted adults and maybe that changes that behavior i as someone who uh got bullied a lot like a lot a lot Mm -hmm. when i was in junior high and uh in high school a little bit i know it would have made a huge difference for me well so my my response to that is like i definitely agree and i think you're absolutely right if it's possible to radically change the culture in schools i where i see the challenge is i think that at you know teenagers it's it's really hard to change from outside the culture of teenagers and high schoolers how do you do fellow kids um if you remember being a teenager or high schooler the reaction to dare or the reaction to like yeah. what adults tell you in uh you know in the meeting in the morning it's like you know anything that adults are trying to impose on you from outside <laughs> you do the exact opposite exactly like it's it, it's really hard to to make a change in that culture and for me i think where the change comes in is the first day of kindergarten and then you start working up from there it's it like I think you're right. I think if you try to impose this on junior hires or, God forbid, high schoolers, it's going to fall on deaf ears. But if this is the expectation from the first day you walk into school, you can slowly like change change that. And you can make sure that the students have an integral part of like influencing that and getting their take and like figuring out how they want to implement these things and what makes the most sense for them instead of saying, like, you have to do this. Because I have a feeling that, like, they're going to go out of their way to be cruel in whatever an- avenues are available to them. Like, if there's no other avenue than, like, private message over the internet, like, they'll still ab- abuse that. You know, th- they'll find ways. Sure. And I think it's going to be one of those things where, and I brought this up for other issues before, but you treat them like we treat racists in our society. Mm-hmm. So, like in, and I'm not saying the adults say fuck them. Like, like even racist kids or bully, bullies or whatever are gonna need like support and help to change and whatever. But if if you're the bully, then you're suddenly the outcast. And if that is if that is the way that works, mm-hmm. then then that makes sense. And then like the it causes a different problem, right? Like if suddenly the like bullies generally aren't bullies for no reason. Hmm. Bullies are normally reacting to something that happens at home or some so, like some area of their life that is missing. And maybe we can help them in that, too. Like I am skipping in here pretending like this is going to be an easy solution when really what I'm suggesting is a, a massive change that would include all kinds of different things. So if I could go back really quickly, you you were talking about oh building a more inclusive school. And I said, no, 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 no. I want to just be clear because... <laughs> yeah, because you, cause you hate inclusivity. You know, I really hate children. Well, yeah, okay, here, here's what I was going to say, and, I, you know, it's a little <laughs> bit lost now that the moment's gone, but, but I don't want anyone to think that I'm, like, a psychopath. So here's what I was 
gonna be <laughs> See, injecting. See now you know here. what it feels like for me to have agreed with Pat at first. Right, right. <laughs> 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 um, what I was gonna say is no, no, no. no. Uh, the way to prevent more school shootings from happening is by arming the teachers and students because the only thing that can stop a bad student with a, with a gun is a good student with a gun or a good student with two guns oh now you're now you got me you ever fired two guns whilst jumping through the air no you ever fired one gun whilst jumping through the air no. anyway all right so that's what i was going to say that's that's a great idea i was going to say that very sarcastically but um, the sad <laughs> part is that that is actually what Republicans are recommending. Um, and their moron zombie base is like uh, eating it up. Before it falls out, I just had like a visual image of me like walking down this school hallway with two guns and kids still calling me like, hey, chow young fat. <laughs> like, ah. <laughs> Jeez. I can't win, even with two guns. <laughs> Man. So I did have one other thing that I wanted to say, which is um, we were talking about, like, the, the profile of school shooters. So I, pull, I, I I tried to see if I could find anything really quickly, and I did. This is an article from 2018 from, uh, from Psychology Today, and they outline seven factors that I'm going to just real quickly go over. So, so far, yeah. the vast majority of school shooters have been male, and the vast majority of those, over 90%. Were active or recent students at the school. If there is one predominant theme in school shootings, it is anger and revenge. 75% of school shooters felt bullied or harassed by other students. Nathan was right. (laughs) Sometimes shooters felt unfairly treated by teachers. They seldom have specific targets, but kill randomly in order to inflict the most harm. Three, school shooters tended to be socially awkward and avoidant and often isolate themselves with few, if any, friends. Four, The media contagion effect, copycat killings, may serve as an especially powerful motivator for those who already feel anger, frustration, or loss. So going back to our previous point about Columbine. Number five, uh, shooters tend to have experienced dysfunctional family situations or experience a lack of effective adult supervision, mentoring, or oversight. Nathan mentioned that earlier. Number six, 68% of shooters obtained weapons from their home or the home of a relative. Yes, the ease of availability to firearms does matter. Interesting. And seven, shooters tend to express their frustrations and anger using art and or social media posts. Thus, monitoring of social media becomes an important tool in early identification of individuals at risk for committing violence. Okay, there you go. Well, I don't want to go too deep into the media effect today, but like, because we're talking about bullying, but like, I think the media effect is like terrible. Like, I think that that really is the through line mm-hmm. from Columbine to today. Well, the nice, like, so, <laughs> uh, man, I gotta watch how I say things uh, <laughs> in this episode. But one thing that I think is moderately positive, let's <laughs> let's go in that direction is that generally news outlets no longer talk about the shooter anymore. They don't mention the name. They don't put up pictures. They don't mention them maybe once, but that the no whole... No glory. Right. You, you don't get that blaze of glory after you're gone. You get anonymity. You don't go to Stovacor. Do you really think he'd go to Stovacor owing me money? <laughs> nice. I mean, I don't know. Like yeah. the, the sad thing is, and uh, here's my hot take... Mm-hmm. And, oh, Boise. It's a steaming uh, pile of take. Because I would like to, I'd kind of like to get off school shooters. Because yeah. I think in a lot of ways, school shooters are generally 
the victims. Yeah, well... Ooh, hot take. Hot, hot take. Hot yeah. take. I, that, I, that seems to be, like, I mean, confirmed by the article that Andy just rattled off. Well, yeah, I mean, victims... I mean, Prior well, to becoming the yeah, like prior to becoming monsters, so, right? Yeah, I mean, um, but <laughs> it seems like based on what Andy said, Nathan's plan super good, one hundred percent will work. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Inclusivity, um, and I think not just inclusivity, but intentionally diversified schools. Students should we should, we. I don't know how you do this politically, because <laughs> right. the, the but, thing is. But if there were a way to, like, essentially not randomize, but to to, to force... Ah, I hate that word. That's such a bad word. If there force was a diversity. way to finagle it so that, like, yeah, so that every school had a pretty even distribution or, rel- you know, a, a reasonable I mean, distribution of different students' backgrounds and stuff. Right. What I would have loved is... Okay, here's the thing, and... I don't know how much I've talked to you guys about this before. I generally don't even talk to Sarah about my childhood anymore. First of all, I grew up in a loving home. My parents were always supportive. My dad yelled some. I've talked about that before. But, like, generally, I had a pretty damn good life. We were, like, firmly middle class. I never had to worry about anything in terms of mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I, I hated school. I hated school. I uh, um, Because of the kids. Because of the kids that bullied you. Yes, and I uh, had some... Uh, Good guess, Pat. I had some suicidal ideation for a while. I mean, like, genuinely, I was in a bad spot. And so I've talked about Unitarianism before on the podcast. That was sort of what pulled me out of it, which is why I'm so, like, gung-ho for it now. Although, again, we, <laughs> like... We don't care if you're Unitarian or not. We don't think you're going to hell, so it doesn't matter if you join my religion or not. Right. But, like, that was very important because I, like, I found what I felt were, like, a supportive family there. And, like, I was able to go back to school and, like, oh, this isn't the real world. Like, these monstrous people who bully me all the time aren't, like, really who I need to bother with because there's another community of people out there. And if there's one community of people like that... There's going to be more and more and more. And so I I found that community. I found, like, a support network that I was able to lean on, which immediately made my life better. Even though things at school still suck <laughs> I didn't have to care if, like, people punched me in the back of the head in the hallway. Or, like, people – you guys remember Banaka? The, it was, like, a spray bottle of, uh, of like, yeah. mint-flavored mace – so people would, sp- <laughs> people would spray that in my eyes when I was oh. walking down the hallway at school. Like, like I don't really talk to Sarah about my uh, school life or really, like, my, my teenage years anymore because it just makes her sad. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I didn't realize how sad it was until I started sharing it. So, like, yeah. I got bullied. Yeah. I got bullied a lot by a lot of people. And that doesn't mean that there wasn't any kindness in my school, but it was it was drowned out. I was an awkward kid. I wasn't good at talking to people. And so one of the reasons I'm sort of – I wouldn't change it because one of the reasons I'm sort of funny and inquisitive – like I can can draw a straight line from that stuff happening to me to the personality I have today. And so I wouldn't change that because I I love who I am now. I I think it's it's great. But 
there there was a point where it was touch and go whether I was going to make it through my teenage years or not. And that's that's no joke. And so like this stuff is really important to me. I have like I I see red whenever I see bullies like just in day to day life. I can't handle it. And so I stand up to it. And all right. I feel like one important thing that I have left out of the bullying equation is I would get bullied. And after a while, after I uh, started going to these Unitarian youth cons and sort of realized, oh, there's other people, I uh, flipped the switch and just started making fun of the bullies. I was just like, I I was like, I'm a funny guy. I'm trying to learn how to have like a sharp sort of some like I, I liked a mean sense of humor, but like mean in the way that like it brought people together. It was hard. Like. Andy, you were around when I was like, really like, <laughs> it was rough for me for a little while when I was like trying to learn how to be funny because I feel like I insulted people pretty often, and I feel like you were there for part of that when I was uh, younger. Uh, how much younger? Because I don't know. I don't know. Like we've we've known each other for what, like, twenty years now. I'm about ten years younger than you. Well, la da Fine. So, you like, when did I start doing... Because I wouldn't have known you from youth cons no, when I was in high all. school because you would have been so far removed that you would have no, had no, no interaction. Were, and I don't you think were, you did the YA cons because that was a different community. So, mm-hmm. and I didn't start going to SI until I think the summer after I graduated high school. Might have been the first time. Okay. So, 2005. So I mean I I mean possibly two thousand four but yeah but so the the main thing because I don't think this is particularly but you were like <laughs> you were like the at that point like everyone knew you you were like the funny guy like right already and, you were well established in that and role. so like so I guess bef- before that and not that long before that I like I can I have two or three names on the top of my head right now. Of people that I was just like, oh, I'm gonna be that guy. I'm gonna, mm. I'm gonna be her. I'm gonna be him. That I, that I'd seen from that community, and I just sort of like awkwardly tried to pull what they were doing. And like after <laughs> doing that for like six, eight, ten years, I finally got kind of okay at it. Yeah. But yeah, so the the main point of me bringing that up is there was definitely a point where I just started making fun of the bullies, and they didn't know how to handle that exactly. <laughs> and so for a while, it was me getting beaten up a lot. And then, like, I was a pacifist at that point. I became a pacifist when I was, like, 11, 12 years old and have been since then. But, like, (laughs) I'd curl up in a ball and continue making fun of them as I, like, covered the back of my neck and my head. (laughs) Uh, Jeez. Well, so so let me ask you this. To apply what you were talking about before, like, creating this culture starting early in kindergarten of – being more accepting of people and making the bully an outsider. What would you have liked to have in high school that you feel like you didn't have? And how would that have improved your experience? Right. And I, I do want to say, and like, especially when you say it out loud, cause it sounds fun. And especially at the time it would have been great, but ultimately you can't make the bully the outsider. You have to find a way to bring them in and make sure that they feel supported as well, while at the same time mm-hmm. being like, knock that the f*** off. Mm-hmm. Right. 
what I what I would have loved is just like and you could implement this from a young age is like have a have a teacher have a um like group of students or whatever whose like sole job it is like they're they're on a committee where like hey I'm feeling sad like this thing happened to me today like have somebody that I can go to and their job is not counseling or whatever their job is to just be friendly be a friend and like to check up on you like the next day and say how how are you doing with that do you do you need any help do you want me do you want me to like help you talk to this person do you like whatever it is like it have like a group of students because we're all like dumb and hormonal and like getting into these like weird drama things all the time and so if you had some peers or like even somebody maybe a little bit older who could like walk you through that stuff it would be amazing Hmm. but i don't I don't know. Like what? I, what I needed at that time was support, and I I can tell you I I did not have it. I I felt pretty invisible for a lot of my school career. So, I guess just to take my turn at it, I did not in, endure high school bullying. I dealt I dealt with when I was a kid, like in elementary school, for the first few years, like maybe through like second or third grade. I dealt, I had some I had a couple different bullies. And I honestly couldn't tell you what they did that was bullying. <laughs> right. I just remember that they like they made my life miserable. I have no idea what it was they did. It's not like they gave me swirlies. It's not <laughs> like they beat me up. Verbal verbal I, harassment. Maybe, but I, but you I, were a kid. Like all you like during that time, your job is to like no, I feel bad. Right. Pretty much. And so that so, but and with both of them, what ended up happening was just I ended up fed up, confronted them, a minor physical altercation, and from then on, like, we would be friends. And that was it. So, I can't really claim to have much of a bullying story, but, um, but I also, on the flip side, I think, like, thinking back on myself as a teenager and even, like, in my 20s, um or at least the bulk of my 20s. I feel like in a lot of ways I don't I wouldn't say that I was a bully necessarily, but I th- I I think that there were a lot of instances when, you know, I would hurt people's feelings and stuff thinking I was just being right. funny, right? I just I I was just trying to crack a joke Absolutely. to make everybody laugh, but I ended up making somebody feel really bad. And maybe I didn't even notice at the time, but like, you know, in retrospect, I think about that sort of stuff and it it's one of the reasons why I kind of make a little bit of a big deal about our in our city here in Cleveland, the baseball team, formerly named for a uh, a racial slur against Native Americans, uh, has decided to change their name. Because this is the city we love and the game we believe in. And together, we are all Cleveland Guardians. To the Cleveland Guardians, which I think is cool, but like stuff like that, the and the whole city as you uniformly oh, agreed and supported it. Oh yes, everybody in Cleveland loves it. Everyone loves it because we're so anti-racist here. No, there's there's so well, many people who hate it because they just want to keep being racist. It's ridiculous. Well, it's that they don't they don't feel like the the complaints are loud enough essentially. To, to count as full racism. Like, the thing that drives me nuts 
is the word, we shouldn't even be saying this word. It is a racial slur. It is a derogatory term for a group of people. <laughs> um, like, in that and, you know, there are lots of other of those words that we don't say, but how come when it's about a, the Native American group of people, it gets to be casually tossed out as a sports team name? Like, it's just so, it's such casual racism right. that... It doesn't even register to so many people as racism. Well, somebody didn't get the memo because they're still putting out promotional material. Um, I got an ad on YouTube. It technically doesn't go into effect until next season. Oh, okay. Because they're still using that name. Yeah, yeah. because they're in the middle of the 2021 season, but it's it's for the mm. 2022 season. But they have released like what the logos are going to be, and some, some different versions of the logos. There's You can get gear, I think. Um, I think some of the merch is coming I'm out. I'm not wild about the logo, but also I don't care that much. <laughs> it's I fine. Think it's cool. I think it's like I think it's cool enough for me to have absolutely nothing to complain about because I don't like using racial slurs. Right. So anyway, but anyway, I brought this. How up. did we get on the Cleveland baseball team? I forgot. Andy found a way in. <laughs> no, there was a reason. There was a reason. But I don't remember what it was. Okay, great. Well... Because <laughs> racism is bullying. So, um, I feel like this is not going to win me a lot of fans on the pod. Just going to put that out there first. <laughs> I I was terrible. At things who should increase bullying. I was terrible throughout middle school and high school. I was both bullied and I was a bully for people. I was known for being notoriously cruel. Um, I got in a lot of physical altercations. And there were also people that I just went out of my way to make their life more difficult because I knew that they wouldn't fight back. Hmm. And I had a lot of emotional stuff that was going on throughout middle school and high school. Um, I'm not saying that as an excuse, but more of just, like, contextually, mm. there was some bad stuff going on in my life at that time. But I don't think that that's why I did it. I think I did it because it got me clout. It it made me popular. Like, other people responded to me being cruel. It made me, it made me more popular. And so, like, that reaction, I latched on to that reaction and uh i'm ashamed to say like there's quite a few people in like middle school and high school that frankly if you're listening i'm sorry you know i went out of my way during that time to make you miserable and i deeply regret it and i wouldn't i wouldn't do it over if i had it to do over you know you raise a really important point. This actually is why I, I now remember why I had brought up the whole name change of the Cleveland baseball team thing. Um, I think especially in 80s, 90s, early knots, all, the whole knots maybe, it was really cool to be the edgiest of edgelords, right? Hey, where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store? Right. To, like, say the most edgy thing, to to push the envelope, to make people offended, right? That was, mm-hmm. that was like, cool. The coolest musical artists were doing that. The coolest 
comedians were doing that. The cool, like that was what it was, where it was at, right? That was what it Opie meant. and Anthony was on the radio with uh, what Jim Norton. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. It's a joke. Oh, when he's dancing in that gay club. It's a joke. It's a joke, is it? (laughs) And um, I don't know if any of you guys listen to that radio station, but... I don't radio. uh, Never did. Well, it was was, um, about, like, the most edgy possible Mm. humor pushing the envelope. I remember Jim Norton, um, yeah. He was certainly in that... Well, and and they came coming out of, like, the Howard Stern age... Mm, sort of yeah, like, yeah, yeah, but they were like a more extreme How- Howard exactly. Stern. They were like, let's take, yeah, let's take Howard's shtick and let's make it more confrontational yeah. and more uncomfortable. Uh, Howard for wasn't that like insulting. He, I mean, he was at times, but like, yeah. how many guys you figure you've done in your life? I so I'm not. Do you think I'm actually so going to talk to you about this? More than ten? <laughs> I, I have a I have a reason for asking that. Why? It was more just it was more being like silly and like kind of rude and, and and inappropriate, but not necessarily. But yeah, it's it definitely like there was a whole buildup of that, and so I think it just it sort of became a part of our culture, and we are now like trying to undo that and go backwards as a culture. At least some, some of, us of us are, and mean, that's what I'm thinking is like I think that there's just a lot of people. I think this is part of the issue with the Cleveland baseball team name change as well where people are just are, are reacting to like this <laughs> that was cool and now like well we all said these things to try to be cool and now we're all gonna get skewered by these things we said and like we were doing it because everyone was doing it it was you know and, and i feel like people to a certain extent get a little bit backed into the corner when they're told that like this the name of this baseball team that they've been rooting for, their grandparents have been rooting for since, you know what I mean? Like, oh, all, all of a sudden this is racist? Well, no, it, it's always been racist. Right. Y'all, no I, one's ever cared before. I, no one's yeah. listened to the people I, saying. I personally, <laughs> right, I personally have been telling you for 30 years, and but, I know there are people yeah. who have been telling you for 60 and 70 years. Right. And, like, and, and like, it's this thing where people need to realize the thing that you love isn't the name. Like, it doesn't... Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit right. about the well, name. And, like, the thing you love is the team. And guess what? It's still right there. Your team is going to be there for you yeah. to support. And I don't want to make it about the the base, the name change again. I, I, I just, you know, that was the connecting the dots. Um, right. I think that there's this culture that has built up of, of edginess, edginess. Push the envelope, push the envelope. And we're now pulling back from that, but there's still a lot of momentum going that way. And it's sort of like, it's now really we're realizing that that's a lot of bullying, essentially. Right. Before we get too far away from it, uh, Pat, I want to revisit what you're saying. And, like, the idea that you don't think showing that you feel bad about these things that you did when you were young wouldn't make you fans. I mean, I'm a fan of that. I think... Being able to acknowledge the fact that you were kind of shitty some people, while at the same time realizing that like you had some stuff going on in your own life that you did not weren't handling in a healthy way, I think that's great because that means that you change who you are now and you're less likely to repeat those actions or to pass them on to others or anything like that. Well, even even if I'm better now, like I hope I am. I mean, it's still really hard to undo. Absolutely. And 
<laughs> the the damage that you do to people and i think it's like, your job it's your um, job to feel bad about that and it's other people's job to see that you've uh, like made personal growth in that area uh but w- one of the stories that really turned it around for me uh i was in high school and um you know all the kids had backpacks everyone was using backpacks but one one of the kids uh i'll spare his name but um he had like a piece of luggage that he carried all of his books in. And um, it was like a funny thing. Everybody did it that we all like kicked his bag. Like we kicked his bag as he went by and like, he didn't really react much. He was just like, "Eh, whatever. Like, I mean, it's just a bag. And a lot of people were doing it. I was like kind of the, like kind of after it was funny, I was the one still doing it. It was no, it was clearly no longer funny. And uh, like, and I will say, like, while that may have been what he looked like on the outside, in on the inside he was screaming every time it happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this kid was already like somewhat of a pariah. Like he was, he had friends, and he was like in my group of friends, but he was a little bit of an outcast. Like people singled him out. I singled him out. And so, like one day, I was like kicking his bag, and he blew up at me. And he explained to me that he actually had scoliosis. He had, like, curvature of his spine that he couldn't carry around a normal backpack. That he had to had to use luggage that rolled along the ground. And needless to say, I never did that again. And I still remember that story. Like, how cruel I was to him and... Like, I, I feel terrible about it now. You know, I think, um, you know, when it comes to those sorts of feelings, Pat, because I have a lot of my own stories not dissimilar, where, like, I didn't mean to be doing anything cruel necessarily. Like, that wasn't my intention, mm-hmm. but I was negligent to it because I was trying to gain, you know, my own, I had my own personal ends that I was trying to further... So, I, you know, I have a lot of the same kind of feelings, and I think one of the things that we often don't really give credit for is how long it takes for, like, the human brain to fully mature. It's, like, in the mid-20s. Mm-hmm. Like, right, you're, like, 25. Or, or significantly longer. <laughs> we act like people graduate high school at 18 or significantly longer. Like, we act like people right. graduate 18 as a fully formed adult, and they don't even graduate college as a fully formed adult. In fact, for a lot of people, myself included, college kind of stunts a lot of <laughs> their development. Uh, <laughs> well, not college, but the things that the choices they make in college. Anyway, it takes a long time for us to fully mature and 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 develop, you know, the brain functions, the critical thinking, the 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 brain acuity to to recognize those sorts of things consistently and Hmm. if you if your brain got traumatized in some way while you were in those first 25 some odd years then it it you know it's going to cause problems that may last a long time that make it difficult to discern that sort of stuff so anyway not not to excuse it but right certainly not to excuse it because gene yeah, understand that you're developing and learning, and that part of that is learning the facts in school, but part of that is learning social 
norms and taboos and how to read people and all that stuff. So Yeah, I mean, if there happens to be a young person that's listening to this, like, my advice to a young person would be, like, don't chase what is popular. Like, don't mm. act out cruelty in order to impress your classmates. By the time you actually fully develop your brain, you may come to regret that stuff and you may like look right, back and, and think like man what a huge hole i was in the early years of my life and if your goal is to have friends uh i know a way easier way to do it than like trying to get the cool kids to like you by being cruel to somebody else that kid who everybody right <laughs> yeah <go>. drugs <laughs> <laughs> thanks thanks andy well well pat i don't want you to to put you on the spot or anything but do you recognize this voice no, I'm just f***ing with you. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it took me a second to realize well, uh, you were doing. I mean, I would start out. But I do think, like, would you consider, and this to definitely put you on the spot, would you consider reaching out to one of those people that you feel like you wronged in high school and just, like, saying that you thought about it and you feel awful? Like, is that... Not, like, not, not for the pod, like, good God, no. Just, like, in your, like, normal life. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, we live in an age where, oh, like... You can find virtually anybody now. Yeah, I mean, I I see these people on Facebook. Like, I don't use Facebook, but like, you <laughs> Andy know, and I have been um, meaning to talk to you about that, by the way. Of using Facebook more. One of us. Or at all. Us. But yeah, I mean, well, where else are you gonna get your onslaught yeah. of right wing propaganda? Uh, Twitter. I'm, I could find a way. Yeah, life finds a way. <laughs> um. No, I mean, yeah. absolutely, like, I feel very differently now than I did then, and, um, like, I mm-hmm. think it would actually probably be very therapeutic for me, um, and I'm sure for the person, well, I don't, I don't want to impose, like, what they would feel about right. it, but, like, if, if they would be open to it, like, making amends to people that I've wronged, yeah, I mean, I think that that would help. If I may, I brought this up on the podcast previously, and I joke about it all the freaking time. In college, I was a bit of uh, I was a bit crazy, and after college, I spent about two and a half years going through AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, and you know, obviously, I was sober. Um, and but it's not just that; it's you know, there's the twelve steps, and part of that is there's a couple steps that are very, very, very important, and one is making an inventory of all the people that I've harmed, you know, in the wake of my using, either like because I was intoxicated or screwed somebody over so that I can get some intoxicants of some, you know, or or whatever the case may Hmm. be, make a big list of everyone I can think of. and, And over the course of like months of thinking about it and then Going through that list, reaching out to those people, and making, trying to make amends with them. What we would in, in the rooms call cleaning up your side of the street, my side of the street. So reaching out to them saying, you know, look, I hurt you. I wronged you. Here's what I was going through at the time, and it was wrong for me to have done what I did. And I apologize, and I'd like to make it right. If that is, you know, how can I make it right? Hmm. And doing whatever they ask you to do is part of it. You know, if they say, you know, I <laughs> like mean, my gutters are really dirty right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
if they say, you know, well, take me on a date, right? You know, no. Um, but no, <laughs> and no, that's no. how your mom and I met. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that would be that would be really shameful. That would be a sad story to tell. But I guess kind of happy anyway. So, um, so so that process, having gone through that process, was eye opening for me about you know, thinking about how my actions without me even realizing it impacted other people hmm. and it changed how I behave in the world. It's been a bit of a crescendo, you know, it's not like it was an instantaneous, right. now I am this way, but it, it, it altered my par- it, it was a paradigm shift. And over the course of, you know, uh, I guess 10 years now, I've been out of the rooms, almost 10 years, eight years. You know, that's, that experience has had such a ripple effect that I'm such a different person now, because largely because of that. I would strongly recommend it. Uh, it was it was a really, really eye-opening experience. Having, having gone through what I went through when I was younger, and again, like, doing some of that, I feel like I always tried to apologize to people if I ever felt like I went over the line, and I tried to, like make sure that people knew that they were part of the joke instead of like the butt of the joke. But like learning how to be funny is messy. I think it like, it really, it really can be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I put a, a high value on kindness that I did not when I was younger and that I don't think many people do. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to be a pushover. It doesn't mean that I'm going to let you do whatever you want, but if I can reach out to someone else and make their day better, like I'm always going to be the guy who leaves a high tip. I'm always going to be the guy who tries to find the little joke for like the cashier at the store or like tries to go out of my way. If there's a, like somebody walking down the sidewalk or whatever, you know, like you, you just try and put yourself out there. If I can, I mean, just piggyback off of that because ditto, ditto, ditto. Like that is why I am so passionate about, uh, things like mm-hmm. LGBTQ issues and so passionate about democracy issues and people having their voice heard in their democracy. That's my, so that's my anti-bullying the political thing. System. I, again, going back to like, it very much comes out of that, that ref, self-reflection looking at, wow, I left a, just an absolute wake of people hurt by things i did that i didn't even notice Hmm. and and also worth mentioning is that you know then now i i first of all like nathan said you know i try to i try to come from a place of compassion at all times it does not always work but i try (laughs) right right that's the goal and i also if i catch myself doing something wrong i call myself out and I apologize immediately because I don't want to ever be in a place in my life where I have another laundry list of people I've hurt without, you know, I want to make amends and fix that right away because I just don't want to do that. (laughs) No, absolutely. Anyway. So, um, that's like making amendsy stuff, but like, was there, what other kind of bullying issues did you want to kind of get into? Because, there's, it's more than just, you know, youthful, I think, you know, the youthful bullying is something that affects a lot of people, but it's, and it's especially painful because it's to young people who are still growing and learning. But was there, was there more to the picture? Uh, interesting you bring it up. 
there's a there's a group of people that I tend to have problems with from time to time who have have made bullying a part of their whole process. Uh, they have Blizzard Activision. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, them. <laughs> like none none of us. Oh no 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 no. He was actually talking uh, about no, Apple. We're 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 getting closer, but. Uh, there's a whole group of people in our society who have decided to hold up bullies as the people that they think should be leading our society, the people that they want to put in charge of making decisions about that society and uh, running different branches of government, for example. Nathan, we're not doing a religion episode. Oh, we're we're you're <laughs> you're circling it, but you're getting closer. <laughs> Pat, you wanna you wanna take a guess? <laughs> Southerners. It's the Republicans, Dagnabbit. It is the Republicans, Dagnabbit. Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, conservatives yeah. has decided that they they want to make America great again. They want like to go back to the fifties where apparently things were good for everybody. I guess <laughs> like well everybody that they care about. Well, every, look. White people with penises is really, like, the people that it was good for. And so the white people with penises party well, <laughs> wants to go back to the time when white people with penises had the the best lives. And they think it's the problem of people who don't have white skin instead of the people who are making an insane amount of money off their backs. Get Big Fast, the mantra of Amazon.com and its boisterous founder, Jeff Bezos. The, the thing is... The most important people in the party, the the people that are held up, your Jim Jordans, uh, your uh, what's his name, uh, orange skin, uh, wispy hair, uh, tiny hands, Mansion. Oh oh oh. Uh, <laughs> Joe Mansion. Uh, no wait, he's a Democrat. Well, kinda. Uh, but well, uh, <laughs> uh, you're talking about Mitt Romney. It. He was he was very rich. No, the 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 Republican Party has decided that the bully is. The uh, the type of person they oh, want to oh Teddy Roosevelt bully for you yeah there it is yeah okay. I was waiting to to be able to use yeah. that one but no I I think that that there's a group of people that mm-hmm. thinks sort of like Pat said at the beginning of the episode that like we didn't have these fucking problems when we had strong bullies in charge of the country and we just need to go back to that and these problems will stop we won't have all these sissies walking around telling us how to live our lives and what words we're able to say and what we're not. Nobody's going to tell me to wear a mask or get a jab or whatever. We can just go back and we just need to, like, tell them to shut up and sit the f*** down. Yeah, the people who want to bully running their government are people who don't want to be bullied by their government, which is weird, but... Yeah. um, You know, I mean, there is a reason why uh, authoritarianism doesn't go away it keeps popping up there's a reason why it's a reaction there's a book just came out just this year by a journalist from the atlantic adam serwer s-e-r-w-e-r the book is called the cruelty is the point the past present and future of trump's america Hmm. and Hmm. um I mean, I haven't read the book. I have <laughs> I, I I heard like an interview is... with the author talking about it. For the past two years, we've watched President Trump hold these big rallies where he goes after his perceived enemies while audiences cheer. These events serve as big ego boosts for the president, but they also serve as community building exercises where the president tells his biggest fans who they should hate and why. 
And I feel so, like this is the type of guest that we should like shoot for the like like oh my aim God. for the fences Yo, and try it. and get on the pod. Hey, like, Adam, it is wild. If you're free. It is wild to me the level of guest we are able to get on this thing. Yeah, yeah. Like no, absolutely. Yeah. And it'll, it'll you know only keep growing. Yeah, it, it it seems like a good book. From what he was talking about on this uh, interview on Vox, so you've got the Atlantic and Vox, which are pretty heavily left leaning. So take that into consideration. But how dare you? <laughs> yeah, it basically it outlines. It really makes like the firm actual case that. Owning the libs has been the point the whole time. Not the whole time, just in the evenings and all day every weekend. Right. <laughs> but then that begs the question, like, what do you do about a, a whole country where, like, almost half the people are, like, essentially pro-bully? Civil war? Well, apparently you vote for the other bully party... To beat them up. Hell yeah. Right. For you. The press always asks me, don't I wish I were debating him? No, I wish you were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. That's what I wish. This is what we've been instructed to do. It's like assembling <laughs> Voltron. Ready to form Voltron. Except it's made up of, like, old white people. Well, yeah, it's like more of the... And Nancy Pelosi at the center. If I can just say, what you do is you go back to my plan from the beginning of the episode. What you do is you inherently build up an empathetic population in your country. You make sure that they know that it's okay to express your feelings. You make sure that you know it's okay to ask for help and to be kind to other people. And that it's not f***ing okay to step on other people's necks to make your life a little bit easier. I mean... That's what you do. I agree with the sentiment. The problem is that we are already in a position where half the country disagrees with that entire premise and wants a school that's going to teach their kids that America is great and... Right, but... America is great. But what my theory presupposes is, fuck them. Right, and I would say further that, like, we're we're in a competitive society like the traits that you're talking about of bully worship and like raising kids to be assertive and aggressive is selfish but like on a genetic level that gets rewarded like that gets reinforced is like me first right that's i mean that's exactly what got us here in the first place it's uh, everything about like benefiting the one person over benefiting the it's what we talked about in so many different episodes about like I want my life to be better and I don't care what happens to anybody else. Hmm. So I want to push back just a little bit on the notion that the the competitiveness is like built is in green. I mean it is built into our society, but and evolutionarily so. But so is cooperation. Hmm. Working together is is has been evolutionarily <laughs> right. built into our like genes. It's absolutely it is something. So so there are both sides there. It's not like that's why they sold so many red hats because they cooperated to wear right. red hats. Uh, I' not really sure what you're sarcastically saying. The idea is take what you will. He's a monster and everything like that. But one thing that Donald Trump did was 
he went grassroots on his campaign. He mm. didn't spend a lot of his own money. He didn't. Uh, he didn't like do large ad buys. He spent he less these, than Hillary Clinton by right, a lot. He did. He took the Bernie model. By the way, do you know what the average campaign contribution is? Twenty-seven dollars. And he got small donations from like millions and millions of people, and those people had to come together and work together to get a monster elected, but still, like, they worked together as a community to make this goal that they had happen. The, like, the yeah. most unlikely thing in the world, no one at the beginning of the 2016 primaries would have thought that Donald Trump was going to get the nod. Donald Trump said recently he has a great relationship with the blacks, though unless the blacks are a family of white people, I bet he's mistaken. <laughs> and he did because... These people were able to work together, and that mm -hmm. is something that's great. Sure. Yeah, if yeah, they yeah. Had used it for some, I mean, if sort they had of. used it for good instead of evil, it would have been fantastic. Right. Have you guys ever heard the witch's hat theory? This is probably very, very specific from, like, my eighth grade social studies teacher, but, like, people have this anxiety of feeling like they're on the bottom end of society. Like, if you feel like you yes. are in the lower class that you feel terrible you feel much better even if your material position has not changed even if your mm -hmm. circumstances have not improved if there's somebody else below you you're much happier it's this weird mm -hmm. like psychological thing and like that's right. that's essentially what racism is like that's that's what oppressing minorities is essentially poor white people feel better about their place in society if they feel like there's somebody else doing worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard I've heard about that concept before. Andy, I feel like we cut you off earlier. Was there a point you were trying to make? Oh, oh, I was I mean I I feel like it mostly made it, but just uh, just in case making the point that humans didn't just evolve horrible behaviors we've also evolved good behaviors of cooperating um, the the task yeah the the task is you know where do we go from here though we are who we are and we've evolved the traits we've evolved we need to figure out how do we make humanity not make humanity better because that's starting to sound like eugenics but um <laughs> how do you know how do we set up a society that doesn't just leave people out in the cold doesn't that isn't based on zero sum games as, as as much as possible you know we we want to nathan's previous early point inclusivity we want everyone to be able to be included because when everyone's included everyone benefits ah so i want to like just rip the attention away from you and put it back on me for just one second totes i think we're sort of getting ready to sort of come in for a landing here but, Pat, you asked me something earlier that if I could ask you to put on your your bully hat for a second or sort of like where you were in high school. <laughs> sure. If, if I could ask that to you, you asked me earlier, what would it have been that would have made things easier for me, that would have made things better for me? And mm -hmm. can you think of anything during that time that would have – because I, I think you did some stuff to other people that you regret now, but it's – not as if you didn't have things going on in your own life that were making 
your life more difficult, what do you think would have helped you in that situation to put you directly on the spot? Yikes. Um, uh, positive, uh, like positive male role models, um, people who knew what was going on and like had everything well managed, um, like good relationship with others, positive, uplifting, trustworthy, having, having role models that were, you know, respected and that I would have listened to and taken like good examples from for one thing. I, Hey, I, I really do appreciate your perspective on this. Thank you. Sure. No problem. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's more to talk about, but like, I don't, I, I had kind of a tough time and, um, like maybe someday on the pod, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that I don't want to get into today. Absolutely. And I'm not expecting, or like, even if I'm being honest, wanting right now, any details, I just think it, it's interesting to have that perspective of like, yeah, it's, it's not because I keep on coming back to that idea of like, it feels good to talk about like pushing the bully onto the outskirts, like making them not feel good or whatever. But like, that's what's happening to them in the first place that makes them uh, do that. Like it makes them have those sort of behaviors. Right. That that's not coming quite after right other either. people. But like, yeah, I think it's important. And like, I would have laughed about this when I was in high school, but I, I think that it is legitimately important that we have this culture of not accepting the bully, like not, ex- or not accepting bullying, I should say, um, mm-hmm. that if somebody's getting picked on, that you call it out, that that doesn't just become the norm, that that is immediately not okay, and it's not okay with anybody. And right. I think that that sort of like comprehensive response could be effective. But I mean, at the same time, like you know, it, when when you were in high school, how did you respond to like you know programs like that? Like I I don't have a perspective on what it's like in like middle schools and high schools now. And there is all of this proactive like anti-bullying stuff that's going on and i am very interested in seeing the efficacy of that because i feel like that would just get like mocked but maybe it's doing better than i give it credit for right and like we talk about a little bit i i am from a different high school was different for me than it was for you guys i'm a little bit older than you but like the idea of a queer person being out in my high school it wasn't really an option for anybody Hmm. Hmm. And the the idea that you could uh, sort of like let your like nerd flag fly and talk about how you're into like Star Trek or like Dungeons and Dragons or whatever like weird thing you're in like no you couldn't you couldn't bring that any of that out oh that was yeah. you talked about sports and end of list I guess <laughs> like that did um, change pretty significantly uh, maybe just like from being in different schools or in different like geographic regions of course but, yes um but in the 10 years or so like that i would say that that did improve um yeah, and i think sure. it's it's continuing to get better um just that yeah. particular like 
nerdy is not cool because i think nerdy is cool now yeah i and i don't know i mean i think that there's the 10 differences the, the 10 differences the 10 years made a difference but i think the bigger difference might be more the geographical one hmm. um yeah who knows i went I mean, to school in this very white uh pretty well off southern michigan school and so it would not surprise me at hmm. all that things were entirely different uh, in Cleveland at the time. Yeah, I mean, I was hmm. in a Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland Heights is a uh, you know I went to Cleveland Heights schools. It it's a very middle class. There are some wealthy people, but most of them end up going to private schools, and definitely like very progressive socially community like very as a community very pro lgbtq stuff very pro like i was just thinking i was just running earlier today and i was just driving out the street and i happened to notice that like oh, there's a black lives matter flag, a flag and a black lives matter sign and a rainbow flag and a rainbow trans flag and another black it was like yeah. damn i love this air like if i was over in parma it'd be trump sign trump sign trump sign trump sign yeah Boots taste good. Lick the leather. Like. And I'd say if people want to know more about what it was like for your school, they can listen to our education episode with Michael, which, yeah. Michael, friend of the pod, congratulations on your retirement. Retired. Hey! Yay. Congratulations. Um, so, shout out to Michael, who yeah. who knows if he'll actually listen to this episode. Oh, well, maybe yeah. he will, maybe he will. I, I know that we're pretty much wrapping up. There was one, one other thing on this topic that, I wanted to, to discuss at least a little bit, which is sort of, mm, I'm not sure exactly how to breach this. Is this how we find out that you're racist? No, the, and I'm not stating my opinion on this topic either way at first here, but just, so the, a, a sort of a related tangential issue is victimization, over victimization. Um, a lot of people have a, the idea that there's a lot of people out there essentially looking to be victimized who for, for attention maybe, or for, for other reasons that I don't, I don't know, maybe something to do with Pizzagate probably because it's kind of a right wing position. And that's why I'm dancing around it so much. I think that the pendulum is swinging towards a greater degree of sensitivity towards, we talked about like, the, the edginess stuff, but also mm -hmm. physical bullying. And, um, I mean, we didn't really talk about sexual bullying, bullying and sexual assault. We'll have to do a me too episode at some point. Um, We've been talking about the me too episode for like yeah. literally years now. And well, I would just yeah. like well, to say like, a okay, year. a year. Um, I would just like to say like, let's, let's get this thing done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, absolutely. But like, there's, there's a lot of other, um, things on the table with bullying ways that it manifests itself. But, um, I think also people who maybe grow up kind of being bullied, it's sort you know, they, their, their brain learns uh, certain patterns of behavior. And if you can't unlearn that, I think there's, there, it's not, I don't know. I'm not saying I think that like, there's a ton of people out there like making stuff up about abuse that they've experienced. What I am saying is that I think um, the victim goes through other goes goes through a lot of experiences and it changes their life as well. And Nathan, you kind of touched on that at one point 
when you were talking about it, how it sort of has transformed you into who you are. But like, I th- I don't think it's always a good, you know. No, it's not. Like, like I'm saying in my a, in my specific like scenario, that's lucky. That's nice that you were able right. to sort of like come away with the silver lining. But I it's, think that, no, that I did not mean that for anybody else. People is, <laughs> I you know it 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 has a huge ripple effect on how they are as adults. Is is what I'm I guess I, I getting think, at. I think and, that like professional victims exist, but I think that they're like exceedingly wow. rare. People who, like, seek out victimization. Yeah, yeah. Here's, here's what I think. Uh, taking Me Too, for example, because I think that's a good example. Every sort of, like, white man's nightmare that I've talked to is like, but what if I'm accused of blah, blah, blah? Like, well, then you get to know what it's been like to be a woman who's been sexually assaulted in this country for the last history of the country. Mm-hmm. Like, you get to know what it feels like <laughs> to not be believed. The thing is, <laughs> 90 we we've I've done a fact check on this on a previous episode. 96% of victims who claim that they have been assaulted in one way or another, especially when it comes to sexual assault, are telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So, what I'm saying is, and boy, it sucks for that guy. Ooh, hot take. I am willing to eat the 4%. <laughs> Yikes. Because the thing is, so far, what we've eaten is the 96% right. of women who have been telling the truth. And so if I have to lean in the direction that we mm-hmm. haven't been going in so far, I'm fine with that. Oh. And that I'm not saying that people don't get to defend themselves. Please, like, give yourself a full-throated defense. I don't want to see anybody innocent go to jail. But also, we've been doing it in the other direction for... God knows how long. Right, that, and so that seems it, extremely justified, but like maybe let's shoot to like separate the four percent from the ninety-six. Like let's <laughs> let's try and have like the and, accurate well, truth. Absolutely. Pat, if if it makes you feel any better about it, you could think of those the four percent as, you know, martyrs. Collateral damage. For the cause. They are dying on the proverbial cross for the sins of all men. Soon set all this. Hands up, all those who don't want to be crucified here. Right. Next. Mm. Okay. Does that sounds, help? Sounds good. I know. Or does it only Pat, work if it's Pat? I feel for you, like you, you have this like sense sense of justice that I think is great. But I know, like, are you squirming, like, mm, that, like, I don't want, I don't want those innocent men to be like. Well, no, you're you're absolutely charge. right that, like, on the whole, like, I agree that, like, if we are gonna sacrifice four percent or ninety six percent, let's sacrifice four percent. Um, but like, maybe. But let's ideally, zero percent. Let's try to find a way to sacrifice nothing. <laughs> like, yes, sure, abs- yeah. absolutely. I can get behind well, that one hundred. But you're you're right. I mean, a lot of cases come down to. Uh, one person's word against another like you Mm -hmm. should we should try to believe victims but we should also try and convict based on evidence that we can gather i think yeah i think also i mean listen if you if you want to talk about catching rapists which i know was not the intended topic sure but i mean that's relevant i mean that's absolutely i mean it's yeah like there's First of all, there's huge problems with all of the women who don't even feel safe about coming forward about it in the first place right. because of the imp- usually implied but sometimes 
explicitly stated threats against made against them if they did. Right. Um, let's also not not exclude how many um, like rape kits go into police custody to never come out again or get tested and just get lost in paperwork right. because they just don't care because the police are too busy murdering black people. I like there's so much the 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 I guess the bullying or oppression two words for the same thing essentially it comes like it is a surround sound experience for women right in terms of sexual assault not right, to we still have a long other, way yeah. to go for 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 that for sure so you know I mean in terms of like bullying let, oh do you, should we also talk about how the United States likes to bully other nations into letting us funnel taxpayer money into through them and back into our corporate wealthy people's pockets. Absolutely. You know what I'd like to talk about is precious moments. Precious moments. Mm, that's a good one, too. I, and we'll bully those out of you if you don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> Who's up? Uh, I got one. Excellent. Then I say you. Uh, is it so, egg-related? Yeah, egg walker. So, um, oh. Rubber Ross... Uh, or also known as Rubber Ninja on Twitch, he's been eating 140,000 plus eggs in Final Fantasy. I talked about this in our Truth episode. Yeah, but we'll let's see. let's be clear: virtual eggs. Virtual eggs in Final Fantasy 14. Um, well, so a couple of developments. So he also made like a uh, Bachelor TV show. While he was munching eggs, and it was some of the most entertaining TV that I've ever seen. Um, like, you can get married in Final Fantasy fourteen, and, uh, like, they had contestants, and, like, um, I usually don't go for reality TV, but apparently if you slap a skin on it of, like, Final Fantasy fourteen characters, like, I'm entranced. <laughs> and we'll watch the whole thing. But he's finishing up today, and, uh, yeah, 140 thousand plus eggs there was actually a, f a couple thousand added in the last couple hours but um like during this pod he would have finished um and it's like being covered on like konami and like all of these like gaming news websites and uh oh we reached number four trending on twitter today um, that with, is so crazy. With the hashtag Eggwalker, number four. We were only <laughs> behind cool. like NBA, NFL, and sports as a topic. Um, it was NBA, NFL, sports, and then Be the Dead Source. No. <laughs> Eggwalker. <laughs> hashtag Eggwalker. Oh, um, but then it was Be the Dead Source. Right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't understand how Twitter works. <laughs> um, oh yeah, so hashtags, it's like... Um, I do actually understand. I'm just kidding. But yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that was really exciting. And uh, But I don't think he's going to shave his head. The sub-goal was for 20000 that he would shave his head um, to become an egg. And, and where he's at now? Uh, the last I checked, he was at 9000 so I don't. Uh, I don't think he's going to make it. But well, and it's and honestly, like so, whatever. But it's such like <laughs> shaving your head is really just not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's a pretty so, minimal sacrifice. It's not like he's like getting a tattoo or something. Like, right. Shave your head, you get new hair. That's sort of how the whole thing works. 
Yeah, for 20,000 subscriptions to Beat a Dead Source, I will get a face tattoo. Which is an oral contract and legally binding. I, I'm not going to get a <laughs> you face tattoo. You heard it here I'm first. I'm not going to get a that face is, tattoo. That's not that true. Is, no, it's, it's not that true. That is we legally can, binding, everyone. Yeah, we can <laughs> legally edit out you saying that that was not real. And I didn't hear that at all. I don't know what you're talking about, Andy. <laughs> um, so that sounds cool. Pat is going to get a face tattoo. <laughs> uh, everybody subscribe to Beat It Dead Source. Get your friends. Everybody sign up. <laughs> five people a day. And the weird thing is, he didn't even put like a back end on it. Like twenty k for a successful podcast really isn't that much. Yeah. He didn't say like within well, a year. Right. 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 Yeah. So so folks, start. You know, if I think that if every listener goes out and gets three new listeners every day. We should hear our goal pretty quickly. We're, uh, we're not doing I'm not this. Sure. This is not, Whatever this is not three really going to happen. N, and legally binding. Whenever three to the N is greater than or equal to 20,000. Hashtag Pat Face Tattoo. Trending on Twitter. So anyway, we are here in the summertime-ish now when we are recording this. Football season is going to be starting in the not-too-distant future. Um, and last year's Super Bowl champions the tampa bay buccaneers had the uh the annual visit to the white house um this has been skipped a few times during the trump era for obvious reasons but because he's an asshole um but <laughs> so those are the, the tampa bay buccaneers are led by tom brady tom brady is the greatest quarterback of all time at this point by pretty much every way you you Look at it. How dare I feel like I should be disagreeing with you, but I don't know enough about football. I mean, the only disagreement <laughs> so. would people still throw out is Joe Montana, and it just doesn't really. I mean, whatever. Anyway, like the numbers, the numbers don't add up. Back check, back check, back check. And welcome back to Fact Check. Turns out we've got a segment to clear things like this up. So take this, Andy. Let's take a look at a few greatest quarterback of all time lists by some experts, shall we? First up, senior writer for ESPN, John Clayton's top 10 list has at number one. Oh, it's, uh, it's Tom Brady. Okay, no problem. That's just one guy. But in Sports Illustrated, TV sports expert Stephen A. Smith lists his number one quarterback of all time as. Okay, it's that's also Tom Brady. All right, all right, all right. No problem. In 2017, 10 different NFL coaches and executives were asked who the greatest 10 quarterbacks were since 1978. All of them were Super Bowl champions with a combined 330 seasons of NFL play between them. They have a combined 20 Super Bowl rings, and their pick for best NFL quarterback in the last 40 years was... Someone named Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr.? What? What? Yeah, I know it's the same guy. Fine. Fine. Okay. Last-ditch effort here. Before Tom Brady, the consensus was, more or less, that Joe Montana, primarily of the San Francisco 49ers, was the greatest of all time. Well... What does the GOAT have to say about it now? And insofar as there was ever a consensus that there was a GOAT among quarterbacks before Brady, it was you. Joe Montana was the guy, it seems, that Tom Brady has now replaced as the consensus GOAT. 
How do you feel about that? Is there a goat in the NFL? Was it you? Has Brady replaced you? <laughs> oh, I think Tom's, you know, taken his place on the top up there a long time ago. So he's had a tremendous career. It's fun to watch. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, there's always there, – everybody always contests over that. But I think if you look at what Tom's been able to accomplish in his <clears throat> time that he's played, I think it's, you know, puts him definitely up there in the top of the list. Son of a, I, just one time, could you just, like, go along, just one of you, I just need one person to say, oh, he wasn't the greatest of all time, blah, blah, blah. But no, you just have to keep on going, and I hate it. It's so crazy. Anyway, Why this goes on for a while. Just, like, Let's get back to the show. One expert, just one expert, just one guy. He could be number two. Be back chat, back chat, back chat. Back chat. Well, yeah, I mean, at that point, you're just re- what you're really saying is your favorite quarterback, so it's fine. Anyway, right. so Tom Brady is is absolutely fantastic, but also he's kind of hated because he's so freaking good, um, and also because he's kind of good friends with Donald Trump. Like they're like buddies, they golf and stuff. I guess Trump calls him after when he wins games and stuff to say good job. But, like, and back in 2015, uh, Tom Brady had, like, a MAGA hat at first, like, when Trump was very first getting started, and he had it in his locker, and then Trump started gaining some steam, and Tom Brady had, like, a press conference at one point where he's like, well, I mean, yeah, he's my friend, you know, like, he calls me to congratulate me when I win, like, and we go golfing. I don't really know much about politics. And his wife, Giselle, who is enormously hot, like insanely hot, um, she basically asked him to not talk about politics publicly at all for a while. So he did. He just kind of kept quiet. But everybody kind of knew that he was like buddies with Trump and no one really knew how far that went and stuff. So, so it was like this whole thing. So now he wins the Super Bowl and visits the White House with under Joe Biden, and I'm going to play for you a little bit of his speech. These guys are an amazing group of men. Um, it didn't look great there at one point. We were seven and five, struggling a little bit, um, as the president alluded to. Um, but we found our rhythm. We got on a roll. Not a lot of people, uh, you know, think that we could have won. And um, in fact, I think about 40% of the people still don't think we won. I understand that. You understand that, Mr. President? I understand that. Yeah. And personally, you know, it's nice for me to be back here. We had a game in Chicago where I forgot what down it was. I lost track of one down in 21 years of playing. And they started calling me Sleepy Tom. (laughs) Why would they do that to me? (laughs) (laughs) So... That's uh, class. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I think um <laughs> I, I feel like he redeemed himself in that. <laughs> like that was good. That was great. Uh anyway, that's my first uh, I I hate him a little bit less now. Yeah, right? I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I can't help myself. First of all, he's so freaking hot. It's just not fair. Um <laughs> but also like he's just an like just so good at football and i like football so i happen to know for a fact that he's not in your top five though so it's true it's true 
Well, and um, he has some controversy, like he's been oh, accused yeah. of cheating. Oh, not accused. Yeah, it was well known. In, in Flategate. <laughs> he just cheated. It was, yeah. yeah. Uh, in Flategate is okay. bullshit. We don't need to go down that rabbit hole right now, but it's it's absolute nonsense and all right well then we'll yeah. we'll leave it there then it's entirely unscientific i don't i have no okay. interest in any of this <laughs> okay i would like to talk about uh norway um for a second and uh the north pole if i may well um, norway and the north pole are different mm, i would like to talk about norway and the north pole okay. because Oslo's Liar Management Group is playing a doomsday music vault located in Svalbard Archipelago <laughs> midway between Norway and the North Pole. So basically what they're doing is we have we have a global seed vault now. It's uh, built to withstand uh, electromagnetic pulse and uh, nuclear weapons and like anything. It can it can like take anything and that way, worst case, we still have seeds that we can grow. Well, what this thing uh, seeks to do is take the most important pieces of music in oh. human history and put them all in one spot. So I'm a- so that way, in case anything happens, our music is protected. How much do we know about what made the cut? It is frustratingly vague oh. on that point. Uh, what I know is... They are certainly doing Aha Take On Me. I mean, Aha <laughs> Take On Me's got to be in there, right? Elias Global Music Vault is looking to use, quote, future-proof digital storage house important musical recordings ranging from the work of the Beatles to Australian indigenous music. Oh, okay. From the Beatles to Australian <laughs> indigenous music, uh, that's, and, a, that's a wide, Well, and everything in between, thing. right? Everything on that wine, that thin line in between. Well, so it's going to, like, have a, a variety of different stuff, but... The thing is, with like, if they're storing it digitally, it doesn't really matter, right? They can store a crazy amount of digital data mm-hmm. in a fairly small area. Right, yeah. So I think I, I like this idea because I'm pretty sure we're going to f*** up this thing <laughs> at some point. Like, Earth is just not <laughs> – it's not going to last. Uh, and so I am excited that, like, when aliens land in 10,000 years – they're going to be able to hear uh, "Take on Me." Well, it's pretty bold to presume that it, technology would be compatible in the future. Like we already like can't find an eight-track player anywhere. That's that's why like it's specifically the and again frustratingly vague. But like from that thing I mentioned before, they're trying to use quote future-proof digital storage. Mm. Whatever that means. What what the heck is that? Okay. But, sure. but but presumably you could build something and then include the details for here's how you build a computer that would read this thing or like okay. this is what a USB drive looks like. You're gonna think you're you're gonna think it didn't work the first time and then you're gonna think it didn't work the second time. But when you turn it back over a third time, it'll work. Hmm. Well, the good news is that whatever like apocalyptic event happens will be enough to we'll never know whether or not it works so we don't need to worry about it really but that's a problem for the aliens that find our remains as long as gilbert godfrey's wop is in there i you am okay son of a- <laughs> that was the joke i was gonna make bring a bucket and a mop for this witness God. I was oh gonna say God. um they're gonna be really confused at like cannibal corpse and like 
cattle decapitation. <laughs> That's just what they're going to be listening to in the I future mean, anyway. Yeah. Like their their musical tastes are going to be very strange. It's going to come all the way back around. Uh, Gilbert so, anyway, in the meantime, I really need to come up with a catchphrase. Hopefully we gave you something to think about this week. Love you, bye. You sons of Bye. Got a great opera voice. Hey everybody, Andy got married this weekend. It was wonderful. Friends of the pod were there. There was carrot cake. There was 90s hip hop. There was a guy making balloon hats. It was truly wonderful. We didn't talk about it on the episode because we recorded this a few weeks ago, but trust us, we're very excited for him. If you're interested, he and Caitlin are registered at patreon.com slash source. If you've been thinking about maybe signing up, go ahead and head on over and show how happy you are that Andy got married as well. Speaking of stuff we haven't talked about on the episode and Patreon, Tim got a friend! We got our second patron, and we didn't mention them yet because we didn't get their permission yet, but second patron, if you hear this and you're okay with us giving you a shout-out, please let us know, because we would love to start making jokes about you the same way we've made jokes about Tim for months now. Oh, and for what it's worth, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyway, as always, we love you so much. Facebook discussion group, Twitter, Patreon, you know the deal. We'll see you next week. You guys are great. Ta! Oh, I started memorizing the lyrics to um, one of the sea shanties, Bones in the Sea. You guys ever heard that one? Excellent. Are we are we still doing our uh, sea shanty episode? No. I, I mean, um, yeah. I, I thought that it. was more like a Patreon. I'm stopping movie. my recording. Oh, that's fine. No, no, this is quality stuff right here. Andy Sea Shanty and Pat Face Tattoo 2022. I'm going to tweet out Pat Face Tattoo right now. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.